Welcome to Preston's Super Show. News, sports, and a whole lot more. It's the Super Show, baby. Warning. This show contains material that is only suited for patriotic audiences and people who have a backbone. If you like God, guns, and glory, you're listening to the right show. Sit back or carry on and enjoy Preston's Super Show. For being here thanks for joining me uh we got a great show this is going to be good this is going to be a really good show here a lot going on in the world uh we could go ahead and just start off with a little bit of humor here everybody knows about kettle right you know there's this craze to be a kettle dealer a kettle coach right i'm serious people are throwing their money away to get licensed to sell you keto. They're going to sign you up for their health plan. Look, let's be serious. If I have to hire somebody to coach me through eating keto, we got more problems than just my weight. You know, come on. I'm serious. I mean, really, I'm I'm serious. I have a friend that did keto, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, uh, friend. Uh, how is that keto diet? Does that work? And he said, you know what? It's effective. Okay. But you can't really have much of a life on it. Mm. Now that sounds real appetizing, doesn't it? Amy Coney Barrett confirmed last night, late last night. That took all day. Felt like it, it took forever, but it took all day. Senate votes 52 to 48 to confirm Amy Coney Barrett. Um, It's a beautiful day for democracy. It's a beautiful day for our country. People are alluding to a lot of different things. Uh, Roe v. Wade might be overturned. And, you know, I think they fail to realize that there's been a conservative majority on the court before. And that's not been the case. it was all scare tactics used to prevent uh, one of the most qualified people from uh, entering the court. And it didn't work, right? That didn't work. That was no good. Those dirty, those dirty Democrats couldn't stop Amy Coney Barrett. They wanted to turn it around. And, and as far as I'm concerned, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats just embarrassed themselves. I mean, they did. They just embarrassed themselves. They made themselves out to be the hypocrites. They really are. You can point to certain Republicans. We know who they are, right? We know about Lindsey Graham. We know about Mitch McConnell. We know all about these guys. Well, that doesn't mean the Democrats get a pass. They got to ask every question they wanted. Every question. Even rhetorical questions, fully loaded questions, 
gotcha questions, everything, right? But none of them, no matter how vile they were, no matter how mean they were, voted for Amy Coney there. It was all Republicans, 52 Republicans. And thank God the Republicans have the majority. And again, God works in mysterious ways, but uh, thank God the, the Republicans had the majority in the Senate. And now we can move forward in our country. We can move forward in our nation. You know, these Supreme Court seats, I understand why they're politi political, they're politicized, but they shouldn't be. Because the Supreme Court, these people are not supposed to be uh, political. And everybody says, well, if you're put in there by a Democrat, then it's more likely you're Democrats, so you're going to try to advance a progressive agenda. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that's accurate. But if that's the standard, then you might as well just be putting senators in there and, and putting congressmen in there because the Supreme Court's not for legislating. It's for deciphering the law and whether a law is constitutional or not. It goes no further than that. And I think people have a, a weird idea and the wrong idea about how the Supreme Court actually works. But there's a lot of other stuff that's been happening, a lot of other stuff that's going on that's not getting any attention. Uh, doesn't make it, it doesn't make sense that the media w was, you know, trying to wrap our heads around this Supreme Court nomination while all this other news was just skirting by. The United States and 31 nations, 32 I believe now, Sign a document saying nobody has a right to abortion. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? Did this come across your local news? Was this something you seen on TV? That someone was talking about this? We got an article here uh, written uh, on Forbes.com. I'll give you a couple highlights out of here. It's uh, U.S. signs anti-abortion declaration with 32 countries. So 32 nations all signed this anti-abortion declaration. And, uh, you know, I found this to be uh, highly interesting. This is written by Daniel Cassidy over at Forbes.com. Like I said, I'll give you a couple highlights from this. So the Trump administration signs this anti-abortion declaration. This is Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, leading the way. They did this on, this was last Thursday. Uh, the Geneva Consensus Declaration. Okay. It calls on nations to promote the rights of women and strengthen the family, but stresses there is no international right to abortion, right? Okay. Can't go jump, be country jumping trying to do abortions. It's kind of, kind of, uh, seems, uh, like that's probably maybe not happening here, but may, I think it's in these other 32 countries that are closer together. Um, yeah, that's. That makes sense. The declaration was co-sponsored by the U.S., Egypt, Hungary, Indonesia, Brazil, and Uganda. Other signatories include Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Libya, Sudan, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. The declaration says both men and women should enjoy civil 
political, and economic rights and opportunities. But in no case should abortion be prom promoted as a method of family planning. And, and these are all things I agree with. The Trump administration has been trying to garner support for the Geneva, Geneva Convention's uh, consensus here among UN members uh, since 2019, when the declaration had about 25 signatures. Um, that was according to a memo obtained by The Guardian at the time. So now we're up to 32. 32 plus the U.S. And I think uh, some people, you know, and this is here. Okay, this is what I kind of want to break down about this. This is really what I'm trying to hit here. Where are, you know, if they're really so worried about Roe v. Wade, if they're really so worried about Roe v. Wade being overturned here, where are the uh, pro-choice activists here? Where are they at here? What's going on? They just didn't care about this? They just cared about Amy Coney Barrett? They forgot to mention that there's 32 other nations out there that strongly condemn abortion? And they just want to leave that out? Some of these countries your ancestors came from? Some of these countries that your ancestors came from, and if they were aborted, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be the person you are. So yeah, we can have that discussion. It's a very difficult discussion about abortion. Japan rejects a nuclear ban treaty. Um, and I found that to be just insanely interesting. Uh, another uh, tidbit that was just a little blip in the news. It was like a little nothing. It was like, ah, oh, don't worry about that. That's not nothing. From uh, the Associated Press of Tokyo by uh, Mari Yamaguchi. We love, uh, who doesn't love uh, the name Yamaguchi? Japan said Monday it will not sign a UN treaty that bans nuclear weapons and does not welcome its entry into force next year. Right, because the United Nations is trying to force this. They're trying to force this on, on countries. The United Nations confirmed Saturday that 50 countries have ratified the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, paving the way for its entry into force in 90 days. Japan has said that it is not realistic to pursue the treaty with nuclear powers and non-nuclear powers. Um, and, and, and I understand that mentality. Cato said Japan has chosen instead to serve as a bridge to narrow the gap between the two sides. I don't, I question the validity of that, but I understand their position. The announcement was hailed by anti-nuclear activists, but the treaty has been strongly opposed by the United States. Uh, we got a bunch of nations here that aren't signing this. Uh, you want to force us into something that uh, doesn't sound good uh, for national, uh, our national defense um, and our national security. So, Japan uh, backed out of that. But it's just interesting uh, how the United Nations uh, always has these different treaties, right? So we just talked about two. You got the anti-abortion declaration, which is not much of a treaty. It's more of just a statement paper. Um, and then Japan with a actual treaty here uh, that they were trying to get, the UN was trying to force them into, and they say no. And I, always, I I just find this type of things interesting that the United Nations 
uh, who gets a good chunk of change from us, along with Japan and other nations. But let's be real, uh, we're the biggest payer here, and uh, the other nations are finally stepping up because Trump, you know, got on their tail about it. And I mean, I think we all know what the news is right now, right? It's the polling, it's the polling, hide Hunter, they're hiding Hunter Biden somewhere. It's the polling, it's the polling. Uh, the polls are getting tighter on Monday, and then on Tuesday, Biden's up. And then on Wednesday, Trump narrows the gap. Uh, you know, I just, I think it's so funny that they think that there's energy and support for this Biden guy. People, we can't go backwards. We can't start going backwards now. I mean, you you have President Trump who gave you four years of an economic boon. Let's not mess this up for Biden fake news and his uh, energy jobs and renewable energies. And, uh, you know, I think this this uh, leads me into something uh, that I want to just glance over. And then I'm going to play a clip for you here and uh, make you uh, think about something. I'm, I'm going to make everybody think today. Not You're not going to have to think too hard. But you know they say the young people in Florida are voting for Biden. That's what they, that's what the news is saying. That's the turn around the news. That's what they were saying. I find that hard to believe. Have you seen the Biden rallies? They're not really big enough to be considered a rally. It's more of just you know, a small event or a gathering, a get together, a town hall. And really with less people. You know, and I noticed the crowd, right? We look at the crowd, you're seeing the crowd, everybody wants to see who's in the crowd. It looks like middle-aged women. It looks like middle-aged men. That, you know, a lot of these people, maybe, you know, they brought their kids or whatever, but there's not the 24-year-olds and 25-year-olds and 26- and 7-year-olds. I don't see them at the Biden uh, events here. I really don't see many young people at all. Uh, regardless of their age, I just don't see many young people there. And uh, I'm seeing middle-aged white people attending Biden's speeches. The few Trump rallies I've watched lately that I've been able to catch live, because I like to watch things live when it comes to Trump, um, I notice a lot of young people. I mean, flocks and flocks of younger people. And that is very inspiring to me uh, because it shows that there's still this this group out here. There's still this mentality out here that younger people uh, could tilt the election. And I, and I really hope they do tilt the election towards Trump. Even though I, I you know, I want to say he's going to win in a landslide, but we still have to go and vote. So let me play this clip for you, and then we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about international news. Both swear that the testimony that you are about to give is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Two top executives of the now bankrupt solar power company Solyndra forgot about this one, the didn't right you? under the U.S. Constitution to remain silent. I respectfully decline to answer any questions. I respectfully decline to answer the question. Yes, in a political <laughs> firestorm that's infuriating some that's members of right. Congress. You owe it to the taxpayers. Come to our committee. 
bring the documents, and tell us what you know. Solyndra received roughly $530 million in taxpayer-funded loan guarantees under the Obama administration's 2009 Recovery Act, designed to support green technology startups. I also want to give some, some credit to those guys in the back who have been building this facility so that we can put more people back to work and build when more you say those guys solar in the panels back, that's because you forgot who they were. Uh, the you don't remember But in names. August, Solyndra laid off its 1,100 workers and filed for Boom. bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. Soon after, Took the, money the FBI raided Solyndra as part of a federal probe. Now U.S. politicians want to know whether Solyndra executives misled the government. Uh, it is absolutely vital Sounds that like it, the right? truth comes out on uh, what happened. Uh, to Mr. Freddie Gray, and uh, it is my practice not to comment on the legal processes involved. I'm gonna uh, do that it would anyway. Not be though. appropriate. Yeah, I'm gonna do it uh, anyway. But I can tell you that uh, justice needs to be served. Wow, sitting president saying justice needs to be served. This video was shot by a WUSA nine photojournalist who was then thrown to the ground for camera damage. Don't fuck my car. Lucky that wasn't my car. Keep the police from being above the law and hold them truly Listen accountable to, to the communities that they serve. And then our third and last um, demand is that we have a civilian review board, which once again what? is enforcing that um, idea that we're going to keep the police accountable to the communities that they're serving. That my would never work, and you know it. And karaoke. Wait a minute, what's this? Manga. Manga. And anime. What? And of course... Emojis. Rioting protesters anime? are furious that Officer Darren Wilson will face no charges in the shooting death of Michael Brown. Kill light. He's a cameraman running for his life. Oh, yeah. Peaceful protest. Oh, peaceful. Yeah, that was a peaceful There's call. also no excuse for police to use excessive force into the street. People were honking their car horns and chanting. No excuse, Keep right? in mind there were 1,000 officers in the area but at certain points it really felt like that was not They're enough. still shooting. He's just As doing a little bro- clashed with people protesting. And one man we saw in front of us set fire to an American flag. Uh, it's the police clashing with the protesters not the other way around. A serious mistake was made. <laughs> Criticism of the IRS for targeting conservative Tea Party groups. Everybody forgot about that. And Americans are right to be angry about it and I am angry about it. Oh, and you sound angry. Immediate action, starting with the resignation of the acting IRS commissioner. I'll do everything in my power to make sure nothing like this happens again by holding the responsible parties accountable. Although that doesn't appear to be immediate. Uh. In his letter of resignation, Deputy Commissioner Stephen Miller suggested that he would not be leaving right away. Uh, He's not going anywhere. I confess I did not expect. And so I'm I'm happy to... uh, take responsibility for being naive here. Well, that was every day. That's a cookie right there. Uh, the kinds of <laughs> Tasty uh, cookie. Uh, measures that will stop the flow of guns and cash uh, down south that is helping to fuel uh, these uh, transnational uh, drug cartels. Uh, well, why did they give Trump a hard time I'm for saying that? Well, those are two cookies, so why don't you give me one of those cookies? Well, I don't know. You we, want both? We do, we do one package. It's, it's one package, man. I'm not giving you my cookie. Well, we don't have all the facts. That's why... I've uh, the uh, IG is in business uh, to collect the facts. You were not even informed about it? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, this is a pretty big government. General oh, Jack Keane, former reporter, vice man. chief Get of away. staff of the U.S. Army, retired four-star general, Fox Business senior strategic analyst. The absolute contempt that uh, President Obama had uh, 
for the Prime Minister of Israel, Bidi Netanyahu. And I don't think we've, we've seen anything quite like that since the State of Israel was formed, you know, in 1948. And then the second thing was at play here was Obama was pushing a deal with the Iranians, and, mm -hmm. and, and he was obsessed with that deal, at a deal at all costs, I may add, and we've seen that play out in front of us, because it was going to be the seminal foreign policy accomplishment of his administration. And that, I think, is what was those two things are the motivation behind us spying on the Israelis. He said he will not be our president, but before that he said he will not run. <laughs> Then I ran. Yep. Then he said, he will not get the nomination. Then I got the nomination. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Then he yeah. said, he will not be our president. Then I won. Uh, then I won. In 2016, you voted to fire this corrupt and decrepit political establishment. Decrepit. And you elected an outsider as president who is finally putting America first. Woo! Joe Biden is and always has been a corrupt politician. Yes. He always has been. Yes. And as far as I'm concerned, the Biden family is a criminal enterprise. Yes, they really are. That's 100% accurate. Look what's going on, America. Look what's happening to your country. Right under your eyes. Right under your nose. Look what's happening to your nation. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Oh, how they forgot about all the spying the Obama administration was involved in. Incredible. Incredible the hypocrisy the media has to this day and the disdain they have for Republicans to this day. But I'm not expecting that to change. No. I'm not expecting that to change. What I'm expecting is that the conservatives will continue to fight back is that the Republican voters will go and voice common decency. Vote your conscience. You can't let the radicals take over this country that when they had the power in this country, they floundered, they faltered, and ultimately cost us for generations, you have a president right now who's rolled back so many Obama-era regulations, so many different issues that were never taken care of. Remember, the opioid uh, crisis didn't start under Trump. It's been going on for a long time. Obama never mentioned it. Never brought it up. Trump did. Trump brought up the city I live in, Kankakee, Illinois, and how bad it's gotten, how bad it, it is infected with all these people that are just druggies. They just want to needle up their arm. They just they completely disregard human life. They don't care. 
And uh, a lot of those people, uh, believe it or not, are Democrats. Those same people sticking the needle up their arm. Continue to elect people who allow them to stick a needle up their arm. And that's kind of the way I see it. And that's it really is because I I cannot mince my words when I speak about the opi- opioid crisis. I personally know eight people who have died. Personally know eight people who have died from opioids in this county. It's a serious problem. And President Trump was the first president in the modern day to take a swipe at it and try to wake people up to it. Will they wake up? I don't know. I I don't know. That's to be determined. But I can tell you he did speak up about it. And that meant a lot to me. And that should mean that should mean a lot to people out here. I don't think it does. Um, Maybe to some, but not to all, not to many. And many people probably don't even know he brought us up or, or mentioned Kankakee. You look at H1N1 and how Obama was late to the party. You look at these career politicians that Obama kept around him. One of them, Joe Biden. They weren't fighting for you. They weren't working for you. Ferguson riots going on. Obama went golfing the next day. Claiming he wants justice for the Freddie Gray murder. Very damning stuff. Very damaging things for a sitting president at the time to be saying and and doing. But yet, the media gives him a pass. And I find that to be odd. They don't give Trump a pass. You don't have to look far uh, for information on Trump and uh, how how much the media doesn't like him, doesn't respect him, and all of the above. Nagaro Kabarak, the U.S. brokered ceasefire, falters soon after it starts, uh, reported by NPR. Uh, NPR always uh, coming to us with, uh, some good news, right? Always something good. Uh, Lucy and Kim writing this piece over at NPR.com. I'll give you a couple highlights from what happened here. This conflict, uh, we talked about it on a pre- previous episode, previous news episode, where this conflict dates back to the Soviet Union three decades ago. But let's not forget this has been a war-torn area for thousands of years. You know, go- going back in time... um, it, it, this has continued to be a place where there's been fighting. Ethnic groups across the country were demanding independence from the Soviet Union three decades ago when this uh, came to much of the public's eye. Together with Russia and France, the United States co-chairs a diplomatic initiative called the Minsk Group. They have been tasked with finding a lasting peace, including uh, the Azerbaijan territory surrounding Nagorno Karabakh that is held by Armenian forces currently. Russian President Vladimir Putin, uh, he opened his mouth. He said that uh, the fighting has cost almost 5,000 lives. He said he speaks to uh, the Armenian Prime Minister Nikolo Pashinyan and Azerbaijan's President Ilham Alaev several times a day. Several times a day, he says. I don't believe that, but okay. The Trump administration has been pushing for diplomatic success, uh, and the campaign is entering its final week. 
they're trying to wrap their arms around this and add this to another basket of successful uh, diplomatic uh, uh, tasks that he's completed in uh, the Middle East. U.S. negotiators have been trying to extend the New START arms control treaty with Russia before it expires in February. Last Friday, the White House announced it had brokered an historic agreement opening economic ties between Sudan and Israel. Um, and one last thing about Armenian Americans. Trump spoke directly to Armenian Americans, calling them incredible people who are fighting like hell. So you have that on both sides, right? We have our ally Turkey, who is helping Azerbaijan. Trump speaking up for the Armenian Americans, you know, saying you are respected. We care about you. Um, we don't want your home, you know, your your country where maybe some of your family may be or your ancestor ancestry begins. And we don't want your uh, homeland to be um, in danger. We don't want this Nagaro Karabakh uh, to be destroyed by bombs. That's not what we want. That's not what anybody wants that I've heard. Um, and we're looking for peace. So even though they weren't able to seal the deal here, secretary Mike Pompeo, they're continuing to work and we'll continue to grind out a deal. I'm very confident, but now that piece leads us into our next piece from NPR where Sudan and Israel agree to normalize relations. And this is a U.S. broker deal. Again, another U.S. broker deal. So, like as you know, I really just want to give you the the ju the juicy parts of uh, these these articles that I come across. This was written by Bill Chapel, again at NPR dot org, and no, it's very good stuff here. It's very good. Israel and Sudan have agreed to normalize their relations and open open economic and trade ties. Uh, these countries announced on uh, this past Friday. The U.S. said earlier that week that uh, it would remove Sudan from the state sponsor of terrorism list as part of this agreement. Sudan has had, and there, there's one little thing that has to be done. There, there's a, a $335 million payment into a fund for United States terrorism victims and their families that Sudan has agreed to pay into. They're going to pay this heavy price tag. Um and that is why they are being removed uh, from the state sponsor of terrorism list. Um, because uh, last year, the military ousted longtime dictator al-Bashari following a popular uprising. And uh, Sudan has had a transitional government since then. Uh, but because of how fast and how deadly terrorism is Sudan has co-sponsored terrorism in the past and it's gotten caught and they are now uh, paying the piper and those U.S. families who the money will never compensate the victim but it will allow you to uh, continue to have a structured life and continue to uh, be structured and, and have uh, a sound future it adds that uh, the historic shift will bolster regional security and open new opportunities for people in Sudan and Israel, as well as their neighbors. So this has been going on. Iran condemns it, of course. Um, the biggest sponsor of terrorism, terrorism in the world is Iran. And, of course, they would condemn this 
this deal, these these peace uh, ties, instead of just wanting peace, they want peace the way they see fit. See, that's the difference between the United States and Iran. Iran wants it done in their little nice and neat box, but the United States is saying, no, 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 we're getting it done. Uh, Israel needs allies, right? You have to think for the future, and uh, we can't have all these nations out there uh, trying to go after Israel if America one day decides they are not going to defend Israel. Uh, we, we have to have those protections in place that Israel can be a sustainable nation on their own one day if, if we get an administration in the White House who has a, a different foreign policy view, which would be a twisted one not to support Israel, but it's, it's always going to be a possibility uh, because you have these radicals that are career politicians that get around the government too long and one deal after another and all of a sudden they're against Israel and that's that is what happens. But uh, we got a lot more going on with international news. So uh, what I'm going to do for you is let the advertisement roll. It's quick. It takes a minute. After that, we're, we're going to go ahead and come back with Spain. Some news about Spain. It's like a hidden country nowadays. You know, Barcelona used to be the dog of the town. Everybody wanted to go to Barcelona. You wanted to visit Barcelona. Uh, and I have a clip right here that is going to really shock you about uh, what's going on over in Spain. And uh, something we all should pay attention to, um, or at least have a glance at. So I'll be right back. <music> The latest poll by the platform of independent in media suggests more than 66% of Catalans would opt for a republic, while only 14.6% would choose the monarchy. We have 14.6% who has not been chosen by anyone. That There's rejection becomes obvious in the form of protests that break out every time the king makes a rare visit to Catalonia, like the one King Philippe made recently. We do not want a king. We are Republicans. Yeah. As many in Catalonia see it, the country's judicial like system defends the monarchy and Spain's cohesion by handling down tough prison sentences for independence leaders. This generalized repression has to end, and therefore the political path has to be taken to resolve a political conflict. It will not be resolved with the prison or with the penal code. On the Conservative side, Vox Party officials defend the system as one that imparts equality under the law for all. There are procedural guarantees when first investigated, and later, with evidence of crime, they have been condemned. The law has not been applied differently than to any other citizen. It is only in the three but very influential regions of Madrid, Andalusia and Valencia that respondents selected the monarchy as the best option for Spain. In Catalonia, separatists will have another opportunity to manifest their will when they go to the polls in regional elections next February. For Alfonso Beato in Barcelona, I'm John Spear, there. VOA News. February. They're going to the polls. They're going to be voting here in Spain. They're trying to take back their country from a monarchy, from a king, someone who is locking people up who are in the opposition party. They want to talk about what a dictator is. 
The media wants to tell you what a dictator is. They won't talk about Spain. They won't talk about Spain. Why? Why won't they bring it up? Oh, you know, we're close to an election here in America. We've only heard about that for the last nine months, 12 months, two years. Not good enough. They call Trump a dictator. He's not locking people up that disagree with him. Hell, he's not even going to areas where people don't, uh, people don't like him. He, he hasn't gone back to Chicago. So I definitely, you know, look at this here and I say, look how the media is silent about Spain. While there's a monarchy going on, there's a dictator running the show, a king. People, it's not hard to see. It's really not hard to see. Everybody should be paying attention to the Indian startup scene. That's what TechCrunch says, okay? They wrote an article here. I'll give you, you know, a couple good tidbits about this, but, I mean, uh, look out, everybody. You know, wherever you may be listening to this show, because I have listeners in different countries, look out, because this Indian startup scene is uh, starting to take fold. This is written by Alex Wilhelm over at TechCrunch.com. Data shows that India's venture capital scene has grown sharply in recent years. 2019 was the country's biggest ever in terms of venture dollars invested, with Bain counting $10 billion during the year. The quarter three total this year looks to be the fourth biggest VC quarter in India's startup history since at least 2013 and perhaps ever. So the entrepreneurs are growing across the world. That's why we have to continue to make the pitch and support entrepreneurs in America and the United States. You see the McDonald's fan created the live map to track every broken ice cream machine in America. Did you see that? Reported by uh, Nexstar. A 24-year-old ice cream fan fed up with broken ice cream machines managed to reverse engineer the McDonald's app to create a map of every broken soft-serve machine in the United States. He says he reverse-engineered this machine in the eternal API and is currently placing an order worth $18,752 every minute at every McDonald's in the U.S. to figure out which locations have a broken ice cream machine. The map at mickbroken.com, again, mickbroken.com, tracks the percentage of restaurants that have a broken ice cream machine currently and use red and green labels to identify stores currently serving up soft-serve ice cream. It's interesting, right? We love food news. We all love food news. Burger King. Leading the charge in uh, reusable packaging. They want you to bring their uh, little Whopper box back in. I don't understand about that. Uh, can Burger King's reusable packaging change fast food forever? Marketwatch.com. Burger King is testing reusable packaging. Nudging customers to return these specialized Whopper boxes and soda and coffee cups for a wash and a repeat use. How do you feel about that, America? Burger King will launch the pilot program next year with TerraCycle Zero Waste Circular Packaging Service. That is a mouthful. 
can we get a, a smaller name or some abbreviation here? Loop, whose product can be uh, hygienically cleaned and reused for as long as the integrity of the packaging holds up. Okay. The initial test cities are New York, Portland, Oregon, and Tokyo, with more cities expected to be added in the coming months. That's not all from Burger King, though. And you know what? Burger King's still doing it right. Burger King is still doing it right. I have to say. This is written by Rachel Koning Beals. Most people don't put their middle name when they write it on an article. That's weird. MarketWatch.com, MarketWatch.com, blah, blah, blah. But the other news out of Burger King is really, this is the good, this is the juicy news. This is juicy like the WAPA. This is juicy like that WAPA from BusinessInsider.com. And they're going to break it down on what's going on in Burger King in 2021 and the future of Burger King. And I'm telling you, it's insane. I mean, this just, it all sounds insane to me. Written by Grace Dean over at businessinsider.com. Very reputable website for the most part. From 2021, your local Burger King could have food lockers, conveyor belts, and Whoppers delivered to your car. Well, I think they already were planning on the Whopper delivering to your car because of COVID-19. The fast food chain is rolling out new look restaurants. The first new look. Uh, new look restaurants are going to open in Miami, Latin America, and the Caribbean next year. I don't know why they're all doing them in this area, but or this region, I don't understand, but okay. The two new store designs provide a multiple ordering and delivery options for customers. You can collect food from a locker or have your order delivered to your car by either a person or a conveyor belt. The new sites will be 60% smaller than the current ones, Burger King says. That's the best uh, takeaway. Forget it. I can go in and get my food. Like, if you can't get out of your car and go get the food, that's the drive-thru. I'm not going to be eating at Burger King under solar panel light. Maybe. I don't know. I can't say I wouldn't. Because, uh... What if I'm with somebody that wants to Burger King and I'm not driving the car, right? Then I would, but like if it's me by myself, no. Um, but 60% smaller. See, that's important. Because let me tell you about Burger King. We got a Burger King by the DMV, the Department of Motor Motor Vehicles, where you go get all your all your good stuff done so you can be a, a professional driver. So it smells like Burger King. Like, it just smells like Burger King, no matter what you do over there. Like, there's other food places over there. There's other business over there, but it just smells like Burger King, no matter what you do. Like, Burger King stinks. These places stink. And, um, I just, I'm looking and saying it's 60% smaller. Hopefully, that's 60% less smells. But, you know, if you're hungry, you don't mind smelling Burger King. But it's like, if you're not hungry, you're like, uh I wish I didn't have to smell that. We got more food news. Everybody likes food news. Somebody thinks they found the truth inside the new spicy ghost pepper donut from The Ringer. And it's a little bit of just like a dorky article. But there were two good pieces out of this article here. But it's, it's very dorky. 
Josh uh, Gundelman. Gundelman, I don't know. Last week, Dunkin' uh, Donuts added a spicy donut to its menu. Um, the spicy ghost pepper donut is part of the slate of Halloween promotional items, along with a decorate-your-own-donut kit, uh, a tasty pumpkin donut, and their spider donut. Uh, no spider in the donut, no real spider in the donut, obviously. It looks like a regular strawberry frosted donut, spicy ghost pepper donut does. Um, it's got like a dusty and a bright red sugar sprinkle on top. So basically, you basically got a strawberry donut, but it's spicy. Like it has some kick to it. And it does, it does look like, like a Homer Simpson donut. If that helps, I don't know. Looks good. But they said it was really spicy. And I'm like, damn, I don't want to eat a spicy donut. It's not what I'm looking to do when I drink my coffee. Like, that would not be necessarily my my go-to. But that spider donut sounds good. That might be the one I try. I already know what the pumpkin donut's going to taste like. That's nothing new. I have pumpkin rolls in the fridge. I'm not worried about uh, pumpkin products at the moment. I'm I'm good to go on pumpkin spice. Basically, the way I look at that spicy ghost pepper donut is, if I'm drinking coffee and eating a spicy ghost pepper donut, like the rest of my day is pretty much already done. Like I better not have anything to do for the next eight hours because that's going to come back to haunt me, right? So maybe not going to be eating that. Maybe maybe I'll try it, but that'll be. You know, just so I could say I had it. Got Xbox, PS5, doing battle, getting everybody all riled up over that old new Xbox. And uh, Xbox is saying they're a step ahead of PlayStation before the launch. They're, they're a step ahead, boy. This comes from Essentially Sports. Uh, dot com and uh, the author of this uh, wonderful uh, piece here Shwitang Partha Shardy okay Xbox has more 120 FPS titles to deliver than the uh, PS5 okay so there's one important piece that you need to know PlayStation 5 has Five titles announced until now that can run at 120 FPS frames per second. These include Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Dirt 5, Devil May Cry 5, Special Edition, Rainbow Six Siege, and Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. However, all those games are available on the Xbox, the new Xbox coming up. So what Sony's uh, fanboys are saying is that uh, Xbox might have more 120 FPS games, but they're old games. Aha! Aha! They're old, though. Aha! Gotcha! Sony, on the other hand, is focusing on bringing fresh and exclusive blah, 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 blah. Games like Spider-Man, Miles Morales, 
and the new God of War might be more alluring than games produced two to three years ago. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. Those games are, the Spider-Man one looks like a lot of fun, but it also looks like I get bored really quick of that. Um, God of War, that looks good for a run through, and then you know what's going to happen. Why I don't see a lot of replay value with that. Once you beat that game, you know what you're going to be doing. It's like, all right, I'm done. Beat it. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. I like watching this console race. This is very good. It's interesting. Did you hear that? Uh, Trump's really popular in Israel. Shouldn't be a surprise, right? But uh, even leading up to the election, that's who's most popular. Uh, Here, I have a clip for you. Many Israelis thank President Trump for moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, yes. and orchestrating the recent agreements between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. And many it's all great work. It really is right, all great work. Hope for his Should have been done. Trump is uh, re-elected, I think that one thing that we can see uh, being pushed forward, for example, is a defense pact. Uh, with Israel, there was a lot of talk about that during uh, the Trump uh, first term. I also think that uh, President Trump will probably continue uh, to push for increased links between Israel and the Arab and Muslim world, just like we saw with the UAE and, uh, and uh, Bahrain. On the and then hand, Sudan, uh, which was after this Israeli video was shot. Say it's time for Trump to go. As a Palestinian and deeply involved This guy's in an idiot. Uh, what is happening here and what the U.S. under Trump has done for the last four years. Um, I want to see a change. And not because, yeah, I because he's not so getting the benefit of it because Biden, him and his Palestinian buddies aren't able to capitalize on Israel. On the right track. Uh, but I do think the damage will stop. Many Israelis, well, including the damage will Prime stop Minister if you come to the table and sign an agreement with Israel. The That's where the damage will stop. Negotiated by U.S. President Barack Obama. They applauded the Trump administration's withdrawal from that deal and worry that Joe Biden could rejoin it. Joe As Biden Obama's will rejoin the nuclear with the deal, deal with Iran. And other he American will definitely Middle join East it. He said, he's, that he said he's, that exactly that. To Israel. Uh, Israeli government, uh, the prime minister in particular, and also the Israeli public are very much concerned about uh, a Biden uh, victory. Uh, the reasons uh, for this are two. One is his service uh, in the Obama administration. Uh, Israeli government and most Israelis consider uh, the Obama's uh, approach and policies toward Iran, uh, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, and other issues to be uh, to be a disaster. Obama Biden disaster for Israel and, and Israel's people, Isra- for Israel's sovereignty, Israel. which they would they say fail to recognize. They restart the moribund Israeli-Palestinian peace process, which would be in the interest of both sides. A victory for Joe Biden and the Democratic Party for uh, what it will mean for Israel and the area will probably mean going back to a peace process that involves two parties and not one party. That's not true. No, because Obama and Biden were in there and uh, and Biden's been in there for 42 years. The deal of the century that President Trump and his administration launched. As important as the results of the U.S. election are for the region, Israelis are more focused on what they see as their own government's corruption and failed handling of the COVID-19 crisis. Linda Gradstein for VOA News, Jerusalem.
It goes to show, I think it really speaks to how we are seen and how we are viewed across the world. When do you hear this type of talk? The media is not going to show you this stuff. When do you hear this? I'm showing you. I'm giving you this, these tidbits out of the, out of the air. I'm giving you all this information so you can take and do what you want with it. But it's all useful. You're seeing how other countries view us. You're seeing how their people view our leaders. How they feel about America. You're hearing what problems they have that are so similar to our own. In so many ways. And that's what the news and the media should be about and getting back to. Instead of just this harping on each other's uh, problems and looking back, which is never productive. So we have to look forward. Uh, we have to continue to look forward. And uh, France is making headlines. You know, you heard about the teacher. Uh, I'm sure by now you've heard about the teacher in France who showed a character of Muhammad and uh, he was killed. And uh, radical Islamic terrorism is real in France. And uh, France's leader, Macron, is taking a hardline stance against radical Islam. And uh, it, it has to be done. It must be done. Uh, these were, again, remember four years ago, Hillary Clinton wouldn't utter the words radical Islamic terrorism. Um, Obama couldn't defeat ISIS. So it was one political blunder after another that the media let him get away with. So there is a report out here. Okay, there's a report out from the Washington Free Beacon, the freebeacon.com by Jack Beyer, a really good writer over here. France plans to expel over 200 radical foreigners after the killing of a French school teacher in what French President Emmanuel Macron called an Islamist terror terrorist attack. The 231 alleged radicals were identified by the file of alerts for the prevention of terrorist attacks, which France, French media says is a primary tracker of terrorism within the country. So France, one of America's, America's oldest allies, they are tracking terrorism. Okay. Of the individuals identified, 180 are currently detained. And the French authorities plan to arrest the other 51. This is, France has had a long-standing battle with radical Islamist terrorism. And America has as well. Again, talking about what other countries have in common with us. A lot of time, it's something dastardly. And very devastating for every citizen. We covered a lot today, so take your time, listen to the podcast, re-listen to the podcast, really understand the motivation for behind this show. We are sitting on the week before election, and it's coming up quick. Get ready. I mean, the media is about to go berserk. This is in this final stretch here. They're going to be anti-Trump, anti-Trump, anti-Trump. And I'm going to be here pro-Trump. And I hope you are too. Because our country is on the line. So remember when I tell you. You need to be heard. Make your voice count. Your vote 
matters. Your vote matters, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everyone.